All right, so we are now officially going live. This is episode seven of Stories from the Crisper Drawer. I will figure out a title later because I've sort of not been looking at the Crisper Drawer too much recently. I'm here with my good friend Nick. Hello, hello. Happy to be here. Thanks for having me, Justin. That's great. We could finally do this. Even Well, for you and me, it wasn't actually that long for us to set set up this meeting, so that's pretty cool. Like literally three days or something, yeah. Yeah. Hey, well, there you go. When yeah, it works yeah. out, it works out. I'm that's, not going to complain about that. That's for sure, yeah. <laughs> so we have a sort of a schedule here just for fun. We're thinking of talking about memes because Nick is a expert in sharing and dis- distributing memes. That's that's my uh, specialty, yeah. If I had a dream job, it would definitely be meme dealer. Yeah. And then we're thinking of also talking about, <laughs> related to memes, the instant availability of information making us perceive the world as worse than it probably is. Yeah, I mean, the two kind of go hand in hand. Usually yeah. one's accompanied very quickly by the other. <laughs> the memes usually tell better truths, though, than a lot of other people think. And oh, then yeah. uh, mm-hmm. we we're going to just discuss the idea of streaming video games, just because me and Nick are both gamers in our own sense, and we've got our own sort of ideas. And I think we, we both would like the idea of getting into streaming, but, you know... There's some personal barriers and some like, what are, how are we going to get into this without mm-hmm. seeming to chase somebody else's glory mm-hmm. is, a, is a fear, which but might not, not even be a valid fear to even go into. <laughs> yeah. And that's... yeah. And we'll probably pick up some other topics on the way. <laughs> yep. Loose, loose discussion. Kind of go with the flow. Yeah. All right, man. Let's get into it. I'm All excited. Right. All right. So. Uh, memes, memes, memes. <laughs> you mostly, uh, well, you do all sorts of funny memes. What, what do you think about them? I think they're both useful methods of distributing information, really hilarious critiques on on stuff, and also like can sometimes be a joke, like a joke and other stuff. Like uh, I saw, what was it? Um, so Disney's got the movie coming out August 3rd, uh, Christopher Robin, which is the live action sort of like sequel to the Winnie the Pooh series. Mm. And the only way I found out that trailer existed was somebody had made a meme of uh, no, Hugh literally. McGregor turning around and Pooh, instead of acting like Pooh, acted like uh, the uh, General Grievous from episode three, drawing out four <laughs> lightsabers. And I'm like, okay, where did this picture come from? What did I miss? Oh, that's good. <laughs> yeah. No, like honestly, I you know when people, I think memes get a a big like a bad rep. I can't believe we're actually talking about this and it's being serious. But like, I mean, if you really think about it, it's gone to the point where it's not even just like a bunch of pictures with a white block text anymore. It's like an actual critique on on um like society and what's actually happening. Like, and it's honestly one of the ways I learn about stuff too. It's like. With the whole Logan Paul suicide force thing. I didn't even know about that until I saw the memes about it, right? And, like, you know, just to jump ahead quickly into, like, the spreading of, of information. Like, literally, I remember sitting, like, literally 10 feet from where I am right now. And, like, during the Super Bowl halftime oh, yeah. where the kid pulls out his phone oh, with Justin right. Timberlake. And then literally when halftime was over, I saw memes on Instagram about it. I'm like, yeah. it's insane. <laughs> I, yeah, I remember that, yeah. Yeah. So, like, I don't know. On the one hand, they can be really, like, cringy and dumb and, like, just really poorly done. Like the Tide Pod meme, that was just 
the big cringe compilation. But there are some really good ones out there, like the um, the Gru meme. I don't know if you've seen that one. It's from Despicable Me, where he is going flipping through his chart. And here, I'll see if I can find one. But he basically yeah. flips through his chart, and it's like it's one of those like step one, step two, mm-hmm. and then like a bad step three sort of things. And oh. it's like um, kind of like the Drake. Um, Hmm. A hotline bling meme but i mean they're all here here's an example yeah, okay. of one yeah let's see one it's like okay yeah i've just started seeing these come back i i i forgot they're actually pretty funny yeah and so <laughs> yeah. i mean like on the one hand i realize that they really shouldn't be taken seriously ever because it's like you know a bunch of people just <laughs> it being stupid on the internet right and yeah. they are a good way to be controversial and like you know with the whole parkland thing (laughs) there are a lot of a lot of memes that came out of that and i don't you know i think time and place obviously but for the most part i think there there's turning it not even in just to like images and and like videos that you see on the internet but they're like turning into their own um form of social media which is is like interesting because like there's no dedicated website for memes it's like a thing that yeah it's it's just just a thing you know you can't get rid of them yeah well yeah i would say i remember um and i don't know if this is really date making me feel as old as i probably am um but i just remember a few years ago um actually it wasn't probably only two years ago there was a meme about how emojis and egyptian hieroglyphics are practically the same thing and are we going back to that and yet (laughs) the more i think about it's like well the meme informed us about this possibility and since then emojis seem to have been taking a hit is they're not being as used or as w- being used as communication tools as much as they used to be, and yet memes have kind of filled that place. Like, I, I I'll, mm-hmm. I'll take I'll take the memes over emojis any day, considering that yeah. I I grew up on uh, MSN Messenger with all those crazy little yeah. symbols that that could do, mm-hmm. and and like to be honest, a lot of them are actually very like cleverly done in terms like you know again. It depends on the curator, and some are just really stupid. But, like, some are actually very cleverly done, and, and it's it's getting to the point where it's it's more yeah. ironic. Like, I feel like if you're familiar with, like, the technology life cycle or, like, the product life cycle where it starts as, like, the introduction with the early adopters and then it goes through its whole hump and to the death, I feel like that's kind of the same thing with memes is, like, they start off as, like, an actual, like, statement or they actually have substance and then something happens and people just like blow them up like um like the pat the newest spongebob meme kind of over that one what's some other old memes uh shoot uh jeez. well salt bay was like not even really a thing it kind of skipped the whole introductory phase and just went right to the cringe phase. Basically, once BuzzFeed gets a hold of it and makes like one of those like thirty Salt Bay memes that you have to see, you should probably just never look at it again. But, um, I mean, in all honesty, it's pretty it's pretty interesting to see how people can use like random pictures or things from movies and TV shows, and they convey meaning. Like if you see a picture of like. <laughs> Um, like bad luck Brian or like any one of those guys, like you automatically know what it means. And yeah. so it's like kind of to your point about emojis, it's not necessarily the emojis, but like it's pictorial. Like yeah. I know what a picture means without having any context just because I've seen yeah. it be used so many times, right? 
It's pretty crazy. Yeah, it's for sure. <laughs> it is. I mean, I I particularly love like the, this is one group on Facebook that's mostly political, mm-hmm. um, more libertarian based memes, and some of them are absolutely <laughs> hilarious. They um they can get pretty salty and. I mean, I don't think they can get really offensive. It depends on who's on the receiving end of it, I guess. And if you're a, uh, you know, going a little bit into the politics here, if you're a social justice warrior, you definitely find the memes that I love offensive. And I would find the memes that you have uh, if you're a social justice warrior just kind of like, oh, well, you need to step up your game here, guys. You're not really selling me on your uh, your beliefs. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, that's also just personal opinion. <laughs> but, it, yeah, I... I've just like a they've been around for a long time, but b they've seen like this massive resurgence using the social media networks that already exist. I don't know, like I guess it's just the 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 availability of visual media and the ease of access to it that's really helped them go along. Because if if even if you go to the the idea of like the basic definition of a meme, which is like a sort of a culturally significant like commentary and stuff. The first big one, at least I remember reading, like, this was thankfully not a BuzzFeed article, but it was like a, geez, what group was it? It was one of those more geeky um, websites. I don't know if it was Ars Technica. Maybe it was a video game group, but they were saying that the first meme ever made was probably um, the All Your Base Are Belong to Us video, mm-hmm. and which is really old because I think that was 2000. 2000 to 2002. Yeah, it was around there there and that you know every once in a while i go back and look at that one just because of how funny it was how it took a terrible translation from a i want to say that game was uh, a nintendo entertainment game i think it was from the nes era but how they took that hilariously bad translation mm-hmm. put a robot voices over it and then just basically edited a thousand pictures and made a three minute long video to do it mm-hmm Although today, that like if somebody did that, that would be overkill because a lot of the regular like memers would be like, "Well, you're 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 a tryhard now." And like, if you think if you really think about it, there's always been memes, not in the same way of like internet memes like what we have today, but there's always been some form of pop culture <laughs> reference that no one really like. It kind of just came into existence and no one can really trace it back to its original origin but you can always like you know there's always something that that is a meme and it's just because of the widespread of the internet and technology mm-hmm. and the fact that people yeah. don't you like don't consume physical products as much anymore it it turns yeah. digital but like mm-hmm. you know if you think about it any really anything can be a meme and i would argue that like you know um Actually, yeah. In its truest form, like anything that's popular or from popular culture, like, you know, yeah. just kind of going on a limb, like, for example, like when Star Wars first came out, <laughs> people would know what like a lightsaber is immediately. Like they wouldn't need any, any sort of context yeah. to know what you were talking about. And then the same way, like kind of into the early stages of the internet with like, you know, the Narwhal song and, <laughs> and like, you know, all those like... <laughs> Um, chocolate oh. rain guy and all those yeah. stuff like literally I mean, yeah, I, everyone knew about them like yeah i guess yeah technically yeah you know? those would be considered memes for sure yeah and it's it's not something you would normally think about because like i guess most people i guess the the formal term meme i think came when it was like those 
like rage comic like you mad bro troll oh, yeah, face yeah, things yeah. in 2008 or whatever <laughs> and that's when the word meme actually started to be used but now it's just like a bunch of like you know stock images or like a, a clips from a from a, a video and, and honestly it's the same thing it's just now you can use like paint or like video editors to change the 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 thing right yeah. so but in all honesty if you really think about what a meme actually is it's not even just like a picture on the internet that makes you laugh and you like share it with your friends or whatever it's like it's a part of culture and it's always been a part of culture which you know i can't believe we're talking about like the the yeah. the um the underlying essence of a meme but like you know They've always yeah. been around, and people who think they're really dumb, like I bet there's at least a few memes from your from your lifetime that you like. You wouldn't consider them to be memes, but like, yeah, yeah. Well, looking back, yeah. I mean, unfortunately, well, maybe fortunately in a way. Uh, it depends on how you look at it. But being that I'm only a, a little bit older than you, and both of us grew up in the technological age, mm-hmm. most of the memes that I would remember from my childhood have been resurrected by the internet so oh, yeah. you know like one of the big ones when i was in elementary school was oh and the n64 came out and then we played Star Fox 64 and do of course a do, a do a barrel roll use the break yep see i never actually played that, that game. game i've actually never even seen it be played but i know what the oh, you i know i know the reference and that's the thing it's like yeah. i know the reference you, they're like you must construct additional pylons i've never played starcraft so, but i know what it's it from. is Right, we so, require more Vespine gas. Exactly, yeah. and all this like or Top Keck never played. What is is that Dota or I, Wow? I think it's Wow. Yeah, I know it's, it's World wow. of Warcraft. Probably World of Warcraft. I've never yeah. actually played, and I know what that is. And like yeah. you know, feels bad, man, and all those new things that like I say all the time. Like they're all Twitch or like from League a, yeah. and stuff. They're all League, and like I've only played one game of League, and I was like toxic. Yeah so i'd never played again yeah. but like literally you don't even need to be in the you don't even need to know have experience with it you these are just things that happen yeah. and like as myself saying like top keck and feels bad man around my friends who like never play video games yeah. they also You'll know get. what it's from and they have even less yeah. experience with it than i do right so it's like it's just kind of this massive yeah. explosion of pop culture which has turned into like references that are so so well known you don't even need to know or have experience with the actual reference you just know what it is yeah. right well, that's, that's, when you say it that way that is a good thing because it means we are the i guess the, the well the memes are transcending a barrier that used to exist so back when i was a kid playing video games if, if you knew somebody who didn't play video games you never would bring up anything about a video game around them because exactly. it's just they they had no concept of it mm-hmm. it's like you couldn't well going back to when 007 goldeneye came out for the n64 it was a if anyone who had a, a game console that was like the game of you either have it or you don't and if you don't have it and you've never experienced it you couldn't you had no idea what it was you hoped one of your friends had so you could go over to their house and play it mm-hmm. and it was just this how and it was, I guess you could even go back to like the guys who had the benefit of in the very early days of gaming got to play. Um, I guess Doom would even be one, like Doom being a, the first technically first person shooter. Mm-hmm. Even mm-hmm. though today that thing is like you know looks like it could be drawn on grid paper from a a uh, just a notebook yep. for math class. Mm-hmm. How we, if you experience that game and somebody didn't, 
how to talk about Doom of like you're you're this Marine on Mars who's shooting like these demon demonic creatures they'd be like what the heck is this thing yeah and you play yeah. it on that you play it on this box you sit in your room with a keyboard and a mouse what is that oh yeah no i i was thinking about this today i was like how would you explain to someone like what what the internet is like if you if they had no idea or like you went back in time and you had to explain to someone like you know in the future you would be able to talk to anyone anywhere instantly mm-hmm. like you know like how would you be able to to explain it in such a way that made sense and like you know it's the same thing like you 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 know it's it doesn't make sense until it becomes so mainstream at which point like you never are really taught about it it's just it's there it's just there like yeah you know even when the internet just first started to be a thing people still didn't really understand it and you know, at this point now, it's like, you know, you can make the same comparison with memes. It's like at the beginning of a meme's life, no one knows what it is. And like people think you're crazy. Yeah. But then by the end of its life cycle, everyone knows what you're talking about. Right. So yeah. um, and then I also think they're all a good way to bring people together. Like, you know, like you were saying with your um, libertarian memes or like, you know, um, there's really a niche for anything. You know, <laughs> memes are they're good because you know i may not subscribe to all the uses of them and you know i'm certainly not um gonna like every meme i see especially when they're like ideological or political or whatever but Mm -hmm. you know i'm definitely all for being able to create a new medium to spread ideas and criticize things Mm -hmm. and even if i don't necessarily agree with them and like you know everything from like marxists to like you know people who like star wars there's niches of memes for everybody right and i think that's that's the beauty of it and like it's interesting how memes can be both so unifying in terms of things like salt bay and you know like um uh like pepe and kermit the frog and (laughs) stuff but then you get other memes like if i said to you rush b you probably know the reference um or if i said it in a russian accent rather well yeah i i probably like so the fact that you brought that up like if you showed me a Rush B thing, I'd probably be like, okay, now I get it. Like, just saying the name sort of draws a blank. I probably have seen it just because it's from, of how, yeah. how it cross-pollinates so well with everything. Well, exactly. And so, like, on the one hand, you have really unifying memes like Slope. And then on the other ones, you have memes like Rush B, which is, for those of you who don't know, a reference to CSGO when you're playing Dust 2. And, like, all the Russian players just know how to say Rush B in... <laughs> In English, and that's it. And then every time you die, you oh, get like Sika Bliat screamed at you, <laughs> and it's like, okay, okay. well, oops. Okay, so I, I, okay, so let me say that I have experienced that. Not on, uh, well, I don't play uh, counter, any of this Counter Strike games, but I did um, a few years ago, many years ago, actually. Um, I played Command and Conquer Tiberia and Sun, um, uh, then the expansion pack, gosh, uh, Firestorm. And they had a mode on that game. It was probably the only big time I played. It's the only time I played a, a strategy game online against a bunch of random people. They had a world. They had a world domination mode, and I remember just playing. Um, like even though the servers were in the U.S. and Canada, I was fighting for territories that were in Europe. And I remember this one battle was nothing but me and this guy. We had no no connection to language so what he wrote couldn't even show up on my computer it was just like you know his language 
didn't show up on my computer because it was no they didn't have similar characters so i had no idea what the heck he was saying yeah. on the chat he had no idea what i was saying on the chat because unless he spoke english or knew how to read english which i highly doubt and it was just it was this really weird fight for for the uh, area called for the country called norway in the game and i won but i i couldn't I, ne- I felt like i have no idea who i played i have no idea if he actually even knew how to play mm-hmm, mm-hmm. i beat him but it's like okay this guy was maybe if we had and eventually like first person shooters and stuff and rpg games solve that by having a auto translating system in there but if it existed back then i maybe would figure like hey this is my f-, he maybe was saying like hey this is my first time playing and this is like where i'm from i i used to live in norway i don't sp- like, this is a, the Norwegian language. Could you help me, like, learn the game while we have this friendly match? Maybe that's what he wanted me to do. I don't know. I wish I I did, but, you know, you can't go back and change the past. I definitely would say I have learned a lot about other cultures through memes. And, like, even just, like, the whole, you know, like, in niches, like, like I was saying earlier, I watch um, a lot of YouTube and stuff and, like, mm-hmm. I watch a Swedish guy play Counter-Strike and, like, Fortnite and all that crap. And, like, you know, it's it's very interesting that, like, I know how to say things in, like, Swedish now because of, <laughs> like, honestly, because of memes. Like, because it's just such, like, a repeated thing in that niche of people and that the community that watches Anomaly, you know, I, I know how to say words. And, like, it's getting to the point now for, like, you know, the common things, I don't even need to have the subtitles because, like, I know what's happening. I know what he's saying, which is, like, kind of sad on the one hand. But, like, you know, say what you will about memes if you love them or you hate them or whatever. But, like, they they impact culture. Sure. They impact society to the level of, like, it starts on, like, 4chan and, like, Reddit and all that. And then it moves Just, down into, like, moves down to Facebook and Instagram and, and BuzzFeed. And, and, like, and then it makes its way into, like, schools and like mom blogs and and all this right so like they infiltrate everywhere and if you're on the internet you will be exposed to memes and like you know friends who go away um to other countries for trips and and whatnot Mm -hmm. like they see the same memes we do it's not just like a western thing it's like or an english-speaking thing it's something across culture that that it like people just people just get you know and yeah it's very interesting people think that like memes are just really dumb and like in a sense they are but you know they have real they have real power well yeah it is it is crazy because you can get like just the dumb memes that just make everybody laugh but you can get memes that are crazy thought-provoking that's like i had never thought Mm -hmm. about that possibility like what was uh Mm mm-hmm and you get ones that are just completely trolling. Like I, I've just just saying things that um, I love about the Liberty Memes community, but they continuously grab uh, shots from um, specifically Sesame Street, and they just the way they edit like speak what's doing is like there there will be a picture of Bert sitting on a bench in the middle of uh, the park, and Elmo will be walking by, and the the subtitle is is. Uh, Bert's relaxing afternoon in the park was ruined when a communist walked by. <laughs> it's just like stuff like that. Yeah, and, exactly. and that those I being somebody who in his in my youth, in my very young days of being a child, who watched Sesame Street, it's like I I still love Sesame Street, but it's just the way of me enjoying an adult 
co- commentary on the humor and creating this other event that's like, oh, well, that's actually a really funny way to take that picture and turn it into something I find hilarious. And a lot of that does transcend cultural and national barriers way better than anything else. I mean, we, we see that the internet, as, a, as it's supposed to be a method of information distribution, memes is obviously one of the best ways of diffusing this information around the world. We used to have it where you'd go onto websites that were giant, ridiculously long forums, and sometimes it would take forever to figure something out. Like, or people didn't know how to, like you, you'd ask a question and nobody had the heck, to, nobody knew what to do about it. Today now, you can go into some of these forums, if they, they're still around, a lot of them are. But, and if you have this question, sometimes it will actually be like they have a meme on the front page, like, if this is your problem, this is how to explain it. Yep, and like, so I just Googled the 10 biggest news stories of 2017, Ooh. and I know for a fact, so for example, the number one was Donald Trump being the new president of the U.S., and I remember seeing memes about that. Um the uh, Robert Mueller investigation with the Russian collusion in that. I saw memes about that. North Korea saw memes about that. Hashtag me too. Saw <laughs> memes about that, that. Regardless of if they were appropriate or not. Ooh, yeah. uh, same with the shootings in Texas and Vegas. Um, car bombings. The opioid epidemic. Hurricane season. The, the meme oh, community yeah. had a field day with those. Um, yeah, a lot of solar eclipse meme war cultural wars and like cultural appropriation all that (laughs) memes like so honestly it's sad but i hear about breaking news from memes first you know and it's like i would say i mean obviously i take them with a grain of salt because like they're memes Mm -hmm. But in terms of exposure to an event occurring, they're probably the first things that I see about them. Yeah. And it's just like it just goes to show how how pop how media has such a hold on society. But it's it's shifting away from like the traditional news outlets that most people think yeah. of. Like, you know, most I would say that most people think that like news and like printed news and radio and like online Mm -hmm. newspapers have a lot of hold but i would say that for the most part it's popular culture things like honestly things like memes or like buzzfeed because i don't consider them to be a reliable news source (laughs) or you know stuff like that like i i see these exposures to stories from these sources way before i see them on like bbc because like let's be honest i would never ever check bbc to be like, oh, hey, I wonder what's happening in the world right now. I know most of it through memes, you know? And I think, you know, especially with tragedy and controversy, a lot of people use humor as a defense mechanism or, like, to kind of cope with it. Mm -hmm. Or there are people who, like, you know, exploit tragedy to to gain controversy, like Logan Paul. But, I mean, like, that's that's how news is spread. It's Mm -hmm. spread through shock content it's spread through viral yeah. media it's it's spread through hysteria both really good or really bad hysteria yeah. so like you know if you go to any like honestly if i just click on facebook right now mm-hmm. and i click if i can find where is well, e- even just like on facebook their stupid their um recommended like trending now feed list is like uh their, their trending list even though that is oh yeah really weird like 
some of that stuff is i mean for mine most of that's actually stuff from current news sources like traditional traditional news sources but if you click on any of things like let's say what science and technology and stuff like that it's where it sees what trends also may as well point this out that facebook does cater those trending lists based on your own personal um, personal searches and your locations i have seen evidence that uh, people in texas uh, specifically people in austin texas have a completely different trending list than people in houston texas even if they have the exact same things they like mm-hmm. because and most of it's international information I mean, I'm staring at it right here. We've got a guy, uh, we've got, well, who's doing the sources here for my trending list? It's like, I've got Sporting News, Business Insider, BBC, LA Times, Reuters, Fox News, CNN, NBC, and The Hill. It's like, all those are still traditional news outlets that are losing shares. And to put it into perspective, and this is a Canadian perspective, but we have a national government-funded news network called the CBC, the Canadian Broadcast Corporation. Their all-day audience share for uh, 2016 to 2017, when they released this annual report from 2016-2017, was 1.5%. And yet they're one of the biggest news providers in all of Canada. I'm not surprised. Like, I can guarantee you, so if they are getting 1.5% of all-day audience share which I should look at what they mean, but if they're only getting 1.5% on their news network of a country of 36 million people, and assuming that a lot of those people who are in mine and Nick's age range who may no longer live with their parents and may not have a TV, that is a small number to grab from. In Canada, small. And in the U.S., it's not even that great. I think like some of the best... like. What was it? Rachel Maddow in the U.S. for M- for MSNBC for cable news. Like her top uh, at one point was like a million viewers uh, during um, her during not just her original, but also I think it was during a repeat, uh, a repeat hour, a repeat segment too. So two times it took her to get to a million. There are like to put it into perspective, PewDiePie probably in one day can get five million views without any problem. In one of his videos, and assuming he put... I haven't watched PewDiePie in forever, so I don't know Let's what... let check Social Blade. So, you know, he's probably still... Considering he's the most subscribed YouTuber on the planet, he's probably... By, like, a lot. Okay. Well, he's... Well, he's he, isn't he, like... Isn't two, place two and three combined still smaller than him? Probably. He has 61.4 million. He has 17 billion video views. Let's see. Um. Yeah, let's just see. I'm okay, just, he gained... Uh, okay, where's why would they sort it wrong? Okay, so today alone he's gained eleven thousand subs and had five point eight million video views. So, Social Blade is saying one point eight to twenty nine point six thousand dollars of revenue, albeit with the whole apocalypse thing and PewDiePie, and that may be skewed, but like that's insane. How many yeah. views the guy gets? Well, and just, he uploads yeah. every day. Well, I'm just staring at yeah his upload screen. So the thing he put up today has 1.1 million views just today. That's his newest video, which was seven hours ago our time. Like the, cable news networks would be lucky to have that on a daily basis. And the episode he put up two days ago, I mean, well, it's one day ago, it's 3.2 million. Very few networks would even. Like, nobody would get that in their time slot. If they did, like, the only thing that really gets that high are big sporting events. 
I mean, granted, you're dealing with the Super Bowl, which I think is like the most watched thing in history right now. Still, I don't know if Super Bowl Fifty Two got that, but one of, like one of the Super Bowls is still one of the most watched events. How, when was Super Bowl Fifty Two? How what was their viewership? Because that was um, that probably was uh, okay. Uh, U.S. viewership one one hundred and three million people watch the Super Bowl according to US viewership and it's probably considerably more than that globally but that was not but that was a 9% loss over uh, Super Bowl 51 wow and I know most of the people like the Super Bowl the game actually is one of the lower parts of it it's the halftime event that gets the most viewership uh, let's see international uh, did we have what did Mm, no, they don't have the statistics for outside of the U.S. for viewership on the Wikipedia page. There's probably information about that I could find on, like, Nielsen or something like that. But I know that sometimes a lot of that um, information is also written in a way that only network executives understand how what the heck that those numbers mean. Yeah, and it's become a race. It's, like, not even who can produce quality content. Or not, like, I won't even use the word quality. <laughs> who will you, Who will be able to produce content people want to watch? It's yeah. now become who can get the most clicks so they can earn their one one-hundredth of a cent per view on an ad, right? And so I remember, like, even just last year before the adpocalypse on YouTube, it was, like, literally every video on trending would be, like, I beat my girlfriend, not clickbait. And then the actual video, you see them play like rock, paper, scissors, and he like punches her in the arm or something it's stupid. Like they're like freaking when the Viners came over to YouTube and you got guys like Lance Stewart and the Paul brothers and like whatever, whatever her face is, Amanda Cerny or whatever. And they just make the most garbage videos. But like the thing is, is that their huge following goes with them. And so... I remember H3 made a video on Lance Stewart, and I think, like, he summed it up perfectly. Like, if you look at Lance Stewart's vlogs, or if you even, like, can call them that, it's like, okay, so here you go. Hilarious girl shower prank on girlfriend. The thumbnail is a pixelated picture of his girlfriend in the shower. It's 20 minutes long. I'm just going to – I'll keep talking. I'll speed this up to two times which will take a long time but like let's see i bet actually no i'm this that's gonna take too long i'm just gonna quickly like scroll over it uh okay yeah so halfway through the video there's nothing about a shower 70 minutes in there's nothing about a shower so yeah okay oh yeah here you go so in the very last minute i see something and i guess the prank is he comes in with a chainsaw and like scares her with an anonymous mask. That's the prank. It's literally the whole span of the prank is from 1919 to 1941. This is a 20 minute long video. And the whole point is like, obviously he shows his like, I'm doing air quotes, naked girlfriend. And you know, like all the 12 year olds are like, oh heck yeah, I'm gonna click that link. And then they watch the whole video. It's littered with ads. And, and yeah, like so, you gave him probably like a lot of money as an aggregate. This video got five hundred and sixty thousand views in two days. <laughs> what? The and fuck? yeah, so it's it's like how many views can we get? How many people yeah. can we click? Aye, right? Aye, it's, aye. 
And it's not just vloggers like this, too. I remember this was a while ago, but when MTV made their Dear oh, White People video oh and BuzzFeed or or the um, the blackface video or the um, digital blackface video. Yeah. Let's see if I can find. Oh, man. So uh, I'm just going to. Oh, so apparently somebody has decided to view stories from the Christmas drawer on Facebook. I really wish Facebook there was a way for me to turn off notifications on my on the stories from the Christmas drawer page. I think you can. I mean, there, there there is a way to rest, restrict them, but it's ridiculous how I've se- I've typed in multiple times like I do not want to have ads on this page. Like, stop sending me ads. Stop t- telling me people are on here. Stop mm-hmm. telling me like it's time to boost your page. Nobody yeah. was on. It's like nobody's been on your page in three weeks. It's like well, except that four people liked my thing three days ago so i know you have like your algorithm screwed up guys come on figure out what you're doing here yeah um but but it goes like to the to the viners and like the crazy guys who have come off like you know the the mtv group a lot of that is the satisfaction of seeing the raw numbers it's like how when facebook first became really big it was like you type a post in or you type like a little thing in or you share a picture and you you, you see how many likes and responses you get, and that's how, how you, you're you like, oh, well, I put a picture up, and I got 10 likes and four comments. Like, that's pretty good for me. I like that. And then people, you get into the thing of chasing that, the the gra- the satisfaction or the more grasp, uh, I guess, um, yeah, satisfaction is probably the best word to go with, of, and the desire to have that. Um, gratification is another great word for that. And you just constantly are chasing after, like, I need the likes, I need the comments, I need the follows, I need all this stuff. And we're just seeing, uh, you know, and kind of going into one of the other sort of topics about how information and also how, how streaming is going in video games. It's people are chasing these ridiculous numbers because they want to be, everyone wants to be close to the top or be like the top dog on something. Even subconsciously, it's always a competition of I need to be the 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 big man on campus or the big girl, or I'm not going to use any other pronouns because you're either man or woman. And if you disagree with me, talk to a biologist. Seriously. <laughs> I, I think the, the biggest things that I like, honestly, the things that do the best are controversy things that people want to fight about. Everyone wants to yeah. be right, but I would rather, I would rather say people don't even just want to be right they want to convince other people that they're right. And so they're going to go to whatever they can to spark controversy. And I don't want to like, you know, I would consider myself pretty moderate in the middle. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would definitely say I've seen examples of both what you would consider left wing and right wing people oh, do this. Yeah. Right. Like, oh, and yeah. it's not you can't say if you're a conservative, you cannot say it's just the liberals. And if you're a liberal, you cannot say it's just the conservatives. <laughs> Both people do it. And it oh, happens yeah. all the time. Right. And like I see this video, I saw it was like I think it was now this. And it was basically a guy oh, saying guys, yeah. the word marijuana is racist and we shouldn't use it anymore because some guy, some senator in the nineteen twenties in the US used the word marijuana to describe the drug and used the drug to blame on, I think it was Mexican immigrant um, deviance and like crime and stuff like that. And so he's like, so you shouldn't use the word marijuana. I'm like, are you kidding me? Like how, 
how bored do you have to be to go and like try to start fights over Jeez. a word for a plant? Oh, like, man. are you kidding me? I wish I had enough free time on my hands to make dumb videos and try to like, you know, entice people. Yeah. But the thing is, is like, it works. It works. <laughs> and you know, the whole thing with like, um, people saying don't use the Parkland shooter's name because it's just giving him like credit. It's what he wants. Like, pe- like it's the same thing. People want to be known for starting controversy. They want that recognition. They don't even care if people are right, like people agree with them. They just want their opinions to be heard, and they want to be mm-hmm. able to. They want to use a platform to try to convince yeah. people that they're right. And by clicking on these stupid videos like this, and is using a black emoji if you're not black racist, like really is this what we've resorted to when there's like actual issues like world hunger and you know the fact that south uh south africa has run out of water like these are real issues me using the michael jackson eating popcorn gif as being <laughs> not a black person is not an issue it should never be an issue you know yeah. and so it's it's crazy how people are so drawn to things that hurt them and you see it like the amount of ad hominem i can't pronounce it but like the thing Uh, where you have no actual defense for your arguments you just make fun of each other like you see it in facebook all the time like i remember when um i think two years ago yeah i was in my winter semester first year and the gender debate was starting to rise and and they were saying how men and or boys and girls in high schools could compete could start to compete on opposite teams and use opposite and use different bathrooms and stuff and i won't share my opinions on that necessarily but i remember sharing my opinion on facebook and someone was like someone i don't even know right this is like a mutual acquaintance of a mutual acquaintance of mine so like three degrees of separation (laughs) and the guy's like are you retarded? Like, how dare you? Whatever, whatever. Like you obviously like he just, and then I like, you know, all this stuff. He didn't really say anything to critique the argument I presented. He just critiqued me as a person. I'm like, okay, whatever. And then I was like, okay, like, and I I don't want to draw the um, podcast to this, but I just brought up what is the inherent difference between identifying as a male and a female versus identifying as a different age. Like, so I gave the example of like culturally, Chinese people can I think I was told that Chinese people consider birth the like you start off at age one and so even Mm. like when you're born as a Chinese person culturally I think I may be mistaken but I think you are considered to be one years old and so by the time you are 17 in Canada you could technically be 18 culturally in China and if you know a Chinese immigrant came to Canada and said oh in my culture, I'm 18, so, you know, I want to drink and I want to vote and do all this stuff. Would that be okay? And the guy's like, no, that's so stupid. You must be retarded to think that gender and age are the same mm-hmm. thing. I'm like, okay, but again, you didn't actually, like, answer the question. say why it's yeah. wrong. You just called me retarded. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that, I mean, it's, yeah. it's like that. People just want to fight. They just want to, like, butt heads and, and try to prove people wrong. And honestly, even if you said, okay, you're right, I'm sorry, they'd still lay on to you. Like, yeah. people just want to fight. People are so bored with their lives. All they want to do is fight, right? Yeah. Well, I think that also is to do with um, something I've been kind of trying to figure out is the, uh, well, specifically how people just aren't good at making proper arguments anymore. How it's a lot of times, like, you produce your anecdote, I produce my anecdote, I, like... 
well, okay, and then they refuse to d- discuss, like, well, those are very specific situations where your evidence is true and my evidence is true, but I'm going to claim my evidence is true 100% of the time and yours is wrong 100% of the time, and you, most people will respond back, like, what are you talking about? My anecdote is correct all the time, and more often than not, we're finding out, like, there's a lot of these big crossover points where it's hard to actually figure out or study the proper ways of how stuff is going on. Like, uh, one thing I, I, I do is being that I, I am, I, I like being involved in politics and observing it. And it's ridiculous how both sides, um, do, do exactly what everyone else does. It's like, you know, the, the classic thing of the, the more, I would say actually more, not just liberal, but more far left liberals generally don't do this. But again, I'm making a generalization there, which questions my point that can bring into question what I'm about to say. But a lot of leftists like um, using the argument of if you, if somebody from the right of them makes a point of saying, well, you can't do this because this is what's going to happen. And they say, well, they the racist thing is relatively new, but they used to always say like, you know, do the uh, God and so on. Well, it's like, oh, you like Hitler. Or you're a Nazi and stuff like that and going directly on people and. Then of course you get the the right side saying like oh you're a communist so you just you we don't care what you want you're just communist which is practically which is the left wing fascist so you know you don't really get anything done at that point it's just two sides screaming at each other and most of the rest of the world is sitting between them just like what what the heck do we do about this because yep. eventually something's gonna go wrong here and somebody's gonna hurt each other yep and to your point about anecdotes and personal experience it's actually i just looked this up it's actually a logical fallacy it's the anecdotal evidence fallacy and it says in place of logical evidence this fallacy substitutes examples from someone's personal experiment experience arguments that rely heavily on anecdotal experience and evidence tend to overlook the fact that one possibly isolated example can't stand alone as definitive proof of a greater premise like and it also kind of relates to correlation and causation right Mm -hmm. and i would say that especially with things like social issues or economic issues or political issues these aren't these aren't really in a sense in its true form logical conclusions because you can argue them very coherently and very academically both ways it does there's no right answer Mm -hmm. there will never be a right way to do things and so i think it's important to keep in mind the next time someone gets in an argument like this is that it's rather a sharing of opinion and of experience rather than some huge debate of like here's why communism works or here's why trickle-down economics works." works right like you're not going to change anyone's opinion. If anything, you're just going to walk away more entrenched and more upset than when you came yeah. in. You're doing the exact opposite of what you wanted to do. Instead of proving, instead of opening your mind to the possibility of you being wrong, you're just digging yourself deeper into your hole of like, I'm right and nothing yeah. anyone can say or do will ever change that fact. Yeah. Even though, you know, you may be shown actual evidence or given an actual argument and i would say that a lot of people are so um they're so insecure about what they actually believe in the world the reason Mm -hmm. it's hard to have a an art a civilized debate over stuff like this is because people just can only regurgitate the things that they've heard like you see for example gun violence or Mm -hmm. 
immigration. You see the same stats brought up for both sides about how, like, you know, more guns protects people or immigration increases jobs or whatever. Mm -hmm. Either side, they bring up the same things. And it comes to the point where it's like, there obviously must have been a few academics who have actually done the research. And then through the spread of mass media and, like, yeah, um, I can't think of the word, but like just basically through the the blowing up of the arg of the of the issue, it's been dumbed down to the point where the actual research and empirical evidence presented in these initial discussions, mm-hmm. which I would say if you actually watch the discussions, they're pretty civilized and like you yeah. know, the academics are like we want to sort this out. We're not against each other. We're on the same side Sorry. of figuring out something, but it ter- boils down into this big screaming match of like. You know, mm-hmm. out of a population of four studies, three of the kids with vaccines had autism. Therefore, vaccines cause autism. It's like, really? You yeah. like you're you're every you miss the point. Yeah. You know, for sure. I mean, that's the main reason why I have yet on this podcast to really take a full stance on the, the shooting thing, specifically after the Florida shooting, because I, I I've read studies from there's these two really good academics in the U.S. who have actually they've both studied europe the united states canada like they've done like many countries they've studied to figure out like what's the cause of gun violence and why they're doing this and throughout their multiple studies and they they acknowledge this in their own studies like the problem is society is so fluid that to take a to make a study a general a a very well done study is generally a snapshot of that exact point in time and that things change so quickly in society that that snapshot of your study may not hold up in 10 years it's also about um like we, we see things of uh, just how population shifts and migration and how people mm-hmm. can bring up, um, you, you know, the, the stereotypical conservative thing is saying like, oh, communism has failed everywhere. And as an act they'll say, oh, every country that has communism has failed. And if you don't get that, and then the next one would be like, well, how is communism working? Like somebody, they meet a communist, like, oh, communism is great. It's like, well, how is Venezuela working for it? Yeah. And I mean, the communist, like a, a very smart communist is going to respond back, well, look at how China and the proper res- and the academic response will say, well, China is a, a capitalist ec- economic dictatorship. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they, they have figured out after the, in the 1970s when the U.S. finally got relations with them, um, one of the few things that, and this is getting political, that somebody could actually thank Richard Nixon for is doing that, mm-hmm. <laughs> opening up relations with China and making China the technological manufacturing capital of the world. If you have a electronic device, odds are it was made in chi- China, maybe even designed in China. Um, yep. A couple of my friends talk about the, the uh, I forget, the, the town, the city that's technically the south of Beijing, but it's almost like incorporated innovation just because how ridiculously yeah. large that area i think shenzhen or whatever yeah the go- tech capital or not the tech the tech manufacturing capital it's like world. but you, yeah. you're seeing now coming out of those factories micro companies that are basically doing almost a better job than the american and japanese companies who sent the designs over they're actually i mean it's kind of corporate espionage but they're taking that information and turning mm-hmm. them into they're figuring out ways to make the product better mm-hmm. and sometimes cheaper because they do realize that a lot of stuff is disposable. Like I have um, a really good set of uh, headphones that are 25 bucks and the last headphones that were this good quality cost me $200. Yep. The economy is a scale. And if, if they turn out to fail within a year, it's like, okay, 25 bucks is not that bad versus an audio Technica $125 headphone set. Audio Technica is great. I just don't want to spend 
a hundred bucks every time I break them because I do mm-hmm. wear mine a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I don't even know where I started with this. It was just a, must have been about, oh yeah, the anecdotes and also how society's so, yeah, how society's so fluid that it's hard for us to make these good, proper snapshots of studies. Yeah. It, I mean, the, and it is a good way that society's fluid because that means we have people who are coming to a, they've created a, they've formulated an opinion. They come across hopefully good information and they've, Evalu- they've done some internalization of that opinion. They've evaluated and be like, they've either come away with yes, I'm right, or maybe there's something I need to relook yeah, at. Yeah, it shows that we're learning, right? Yeah. Um, and I, yeah, you know, like it shows we're learning, and um, even it. The thing is, like, there are. It's hard to to change like opinions on on social issues and stuff, just because, like I said, people experience things differently and. Mm-hmm. Um, experience, or, um, uh, yeah, uh, perception is reality with people, right? And mm-hmm. it comes to the point where when you criticize an idea, you're criticizing some people's whole worldview and their like whole identity, right? Yeah. Um, and obviously people don't take lightly to that. Yeah. And that's for sure. You know, it's. I think we it's getting to the point where like people are are so afraid of being challenged on their ideas that it's turning into like this just kind of accept things as is and like you see a lot of these videos about um debates for example i mean i hate to pick on it but it's just like so prevalent especially nowadays like the gender thing right identity and um biology biology versus um, yeah. sociology and and like when you see these debates i think it was in um portland the university there like university of oregon or something like that um like there was just a debate going on it was just like three scholars who were having a very civilized conversation and you know they had differing opinions but like they were listening they were agreeing they were understanding each other and then you see this crowd of like a bunch of really angry like students or maybe not even students people who just came to get triggered and they just start freaking out over the fact that someone has a different belief than them and like honestly it made me it's sad to see that you know in a place that is dedicated to research and learning Mm -hmm. and and all that you have people who are so afraid or so close-minded they would rather look like idiots and just stomp out and like smash the audio equipment and like just run out screaming and crying and like saying f the police and all that like over having their ideas challenged and you don't even have to subscribe to it you just got like you just listen right yeah because no one knows everything, and well, I, I certainly don't know everything. Yeah. Well, I think that's um, – this is something worth, worth discussing further on in a, in a later in a follow-up podcast or some other time. But there was something else I was thinking about, just about that same thing, about how, um, how people – well, I'm not, I'm not going to make a generalization about people, but I, I've sort of been thinking about how people react to challenging information and how – Mm-hmm. A lot of, unfortunately, a lot of our responses are much more emotionally based than logically based. I wonder if that's a part of, and I, I hate using the word evolution, but just the way how our society and ourselves have, have, how our psyche and our, like our collective consciousness of mankind has progressed over the past multi hundreds of years about how ironically, like, our greatest, one of our greatest tools we ever made, the internet, and allowing all this information to be shared, 
I don't think, and, and I mean, I've yet to see a study about this. There probably is. I haven't looked it up. But I don't think we've, we've gotten to the point where our brains and our emotions connected to those have fully understood how powerful the Internet is in our life and how quickly information that does spread and how quickly we create these reactions. And it seems to be me, um, at least when I'm seeing stuff, uh, how I have to go back. Um, there was this rule I remember um, being to- told in high school. If you're going to write, if you somebody sends you like an email or a letter, like that, it's either negative or like, you know, it, it, it's not the one, it's not the way you wanted it to be. It may not be a negative. It may be a negative. It may be like a constructive criticism letter, but you take it too directly to heart. How you have to sit back and be like, you have to sit back and do, um, a lot of people do the 24 hour rule, like, or go to sleep, like sleep on it and wake back up and you'll have a different opinion or uh-huh. you'll look back and it's like, and I think because of the, the, specific technology that the internet has created this instant gratification like oh i'm feeling sad i can go into youtube right now and look at hilarious videos of dogs and cats we don't want that time period of being uncomfortable so our quick so and that's bleeding into our normal everyday lives in a way that i don't think we understand how it's working like you go to a university class and you hear something you don't maybe you don't believe or maybe you're you think like oh that's that's not how i've experienced it and then you uh-huh. like freak out over it uh-huh. 50 well prior to the internet people would do that and they'd be like ah well, i'm gonna have to go and get a book out of the library which is gonna take me time read that book and figure it out today it's like it's like my professor said x y and z let's google it right away it's like oh look one of like the one of the top 10 searches on Google agrees with me and one of the other ones disagrees. Like, I'm going to click on mine and back up my information with the way I want. Mm-hmm. And then if somebody says, counters you, saying like, well, you grabbed your information from a source that you like, like, I, you know, the liberals typically like BuzzFeed, the conservatives like, uh, I don't know if it's really conservative, but more of the um, right to slightly far right, like groups like uh, Breitbart and, you know, I guess Milo Yiannopoulos versus uh, who's uh, I guess um, who's the name I I know of um, Laurie Penny from uh, from uh, the UK, who she's much more on the liberal social justice warrior side of things. Mm-hmm. You you grab from your side so quickly, and you take an emotional defense on grabbing from your side. And when people respond with their emotional defense, it's just. I mean, I, I hate to say this, but it's almost like we've we're adult children now. Because you look at—I mean, I don't know about your parents, but I know my parents when they come across stuff that's um, countering information, it's like there's a deep time of introspection and discussion and actually think about it. And I'm probably your parents are do that too. I don't mm-hmm. know them. You you can speak to that. And most people who I would say above the age of forty who had to learn about the internet as if it was a piece of technology, not something that existed. Uh-huh. How they, they have a completely different approach to this world, and they, they realize that. I mean, I think it's the fear of, like, we've just... If there's a comedian who was on um, the first season of when Conan O'Brien got his new show on TBS. Uh, oh, jeez. He has his own show. I think his name is um, James Holmes. I have to look him up. But he, his whole thing was Google is ruining our lives because we're having the answer so quickly and we're not a, 
any bit smarter for it. It's like you, you back in the old days, if you didn't know where Tom Petty was from, and Tom Petty's dead, unfortunately. But the example was, if you didn't know where Tom Petty was from, you either had to go to a library and find that information out, or you had to aimlessly go through life until you met somebody who told you the answer. Mm-hmm. And the joke was, like, you meet that person who knows where it is, and they tell you it's from Florida, and that's who you found your wife. Mm-hmm. And today it's now, like, where is Tom Petty from? Florida. Okay. Yeah, and honestly, I'd even go so far as to say, like, if anything, it's making people more uninformed. Like, for example, if you if you Google, um, uh, like Trump's uh, new tax law or whatever, you would get oh, yeah. immediately just some big headline about like Trump hates poor people, and here's why. Like Trump's new tax laws are targeting poor people, and or you would get other ones like Trump's tax laws are like saving America, you know, and and people use selective resource gathering and all this stuff to find Mm -hmm. evidence that supports their claim when most people would just read the title like the title the headline and be like see i told you so right and no yeah i agree it's yeah you're not we're not making yeah educated we're not making an educated populace we're Mm -hmm. making a um we're making people who are just willing to it takes things at face value. Yeah. I, I would agree with that. And I think another unfortunate indicator of just how it's happening, and memes are actually a good response to this because memes do, like, well done memes bring out a lot of thought and they can do it. But when you search up things on the internet, specifically when you're going to certain news sources, it's amazing how few, even like of the traditional news sources, like let's say the LA Times or New York Times, when you search up a story, it's weird how few of them are beyond are like barely above, beyond the two hundred word limit, like how few actually write a lot of words. You you see that more in the editorials, and of course, when you read an editorial, you're going into something like this guy already has an opinion laid out, and he's just saying his opinion. And those are where you get the long, um, the long topics now in news. I mean, local news it's a little bit different because you still will get good. Mm-hmm. good articles written about what's going on in your local thing, which is why it's scary about the local newspaper dying out because local news is expensive to make, but it's important because if people don't know what's going on in their own area, they can't really... Well, do you really have a community if you don't know what's going on in your community? Yeah. No, you're just a bunch of individuals who are inhabiting a space. Yeah. I, and I would also say that there might be a... Um, I'd say that sites like Gawker and BuzzFeed kind of helped it go this way about how their whole thing was get it out first, verify later, um, mostly from Gawker's side, but also how it was about you didn't want somebody like if you sit down as a person and try to write a thousand to two thousand words Mm -hmm. on a topic, that's not something you're going to pump out in five minutes. That's something that you are going to like if you set yourself a goal to write like a five thousand word essay. For a university student who knows his information, he's got his sources already lined up, that's still like a three to five day thing to properly write it out, edit it, and get it all right. And to be a a journalist, you're writing about a topic that you may not know everything. So you are making, you are putting, um, to be a really good journalist and write that stuff, you have to give yourself the space of, I may not know what this is. I don't know as much as you do. I'm not an expert in this field. This is what I've learned from people who are experts in this field. And hopefully I'm conveying in a way that's understandable, that explains to you what they see, but also is understandable to you. 
and I think the that going all the way back to all the way to the beginning of the in, instant availability of information is we're not seeing that skill anymore. That journalism is no longer the hey, let's inform people. It's we need to get the clicks. And it's sad because, um, well, it's sad because people aren't getting the information they probably think they should be getting, and that a lot of people are still having the assumption that journalism is this noble profession, which it should be, <laughs> being somebody who I wouldn't mind being a journalist, but I know that I, um, be, like, I guess this is my form of journalism that I'm doing right here is having these podcasts with my friends and just we're talking about stuff and we're trying to have a good dialogue about it because dialogues, you get different perspectives on stuff. And, you know, so far I've had on people like Nick and my friend Jeff and people who largely agree in areas, but we've just been talking about stuff and Nick's brought up some thoughts that I would have never come across. Mm-hmm. Nick's younger than me and... I know that if I have somebody older than me, they'll bring up even more thoughts and probably, hopefully I brought up some thoughts that Nick hadn't come up with. And even just how in our world, and this is why podcasts are actually getting so, like how insane like podcast viewership is on YouTube and stuff like that. Like you can find podcasts on almost anything and, they're, and yet they're thriving. Kind of goes against the whole streamer mentality of chasing the money. If you get yourself a little niche and you've got your audience that likes you and wants to learn about you, you're gonna keep, you're gonna keep coming back. And if they're able to continue to provide that thought, and, and yes, it, it's the continuation of the idea of the. It, well, how, how am I gonna let me let me brain this out in my head? Um, the long form of information that podcasts allow people to have. The idea of I can listen to a 35, 40 minute, 50 minute, 60 minute, sometimes multi hour long podcast on top various topics. It's amazing how those are doing so good, but news articles that are, but the news articles that have shrunk are getting less clicks. And the cable news and the regular news that can only run for 30 minutes at a time, 22 minutes in syndication, are seeing viewership drop. And yet we're also hearing from people like the, the, like, I, I'm just saying this because I've heard this from other people dealing with YouTube is YouTube is still centered on like the 10 to 15 minute long video. You don't want to be longer than that. And yet you see these guys, well, I'm not going to say anything about PewDiePie because he's obviously, he's cornered his market. He's got it fine. And his videos are 10 to 20 minutes long, but you're seeing people who are producing like Joe Rogan, two to three hour long segments and they're getting million, like a million or two views relatively quickly something must be working <laughs> people must want just good conversation enough that they're searching this out yeah i would i mean i guess it depends on the viewership that you're trying to target right like some people actually want um you know you can think about it like how people choose what they want to eat some people want like an actual meal where they sit down and they can enjoy yeah. it and some people just want something to grab and go, right? Yeah. And it and it depends on the person. And, you know, some people like to have conversations. Some people don't. And that's fine. Like, albeit, I'll power to you. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, I think the problem comes when people who don't know what they're talking about start to talk like they do know what they're talking about. And I do this sometimes, and I realize it. And, like, you know, that's why I'm very hesitant to – give opinions on things that I'm not super informed about. 
Um, but I would say it's unfortunate that a lot of the people who have pull on on social media and and stuff and even just regular people not even like celebrities but just regular people they have um they like they're, they're just so uninformed they mm-hmm. it's just kind of like oh this person who i agreed with before said it so it must be true and this is mm-hmm. what i think now um and yeah people yeah just want to consume media they want to they want to say they're informed but what they're really informed on is just one person's opinion that they would have agreed with regardless yeah it's less of a a character thing it's more of just like the person like you know when um it was it was like a conservative news network they went out and they said this is again going back to trump's tax law they said how bernie sanders came out with this like so basically the the interview went they pull people off the street and they said so you heard about trump's tax laws and all the people were like yeah it's so bad like i hate trump i don't know why he's a president and then they're like okay well bernie sanders proposed this other tax law what do you think about it? they read some of the policies and they're like wow like see that's how a president should be that's oh, how yeah, the tax yeah, should be yeah. run and then like what if i told you it was actually donald trump and they're like oh he said that Hmm. Well, I better I better go do some research now. I'm like, it's not like okay, and I'll be it. Yeah, I'll be it. It's pretty biased, and like, yeah, you know, like the Sam. I mean, I'm sure not everyone they pulled off the street was like that. So you gotta take those videos with a grain of salt, right? But, and they may also even be fake. But it just kind of goes to show the point of that. Like, you can't just like it's almost like ad hominem where anyone who's associated like when anytime Donald Trump is associated with something or Hillary Clinton or Justin Trudeau or anything that. Like a person who has essentially become the mascot for a whole ideology or political party, right? When you associate an idea or a concept with that mascot or that person, it's suddenly villainized when in reality, you know, if you told a liberal that Trump actually said he would over, he would like go around due process to take guns away from people without a Mm -hmm. police investigation. Like, no one would have ever thought Trump would say that. I'm pretty sure Mike Pence even didn't even think Trump would yeah. say that, right? But it just goes to show, like, you can't judge an idea just because it comes from the person. You have to judge the idea itself and leave the people out of it. And I think, ultimately, that's where, that's why we have so much trouble, is that no one wants to listen to ideas. They'd rather just say oh this person said it so i agree or disagree and they're dumb or they're really smart and they don't actually pay attention to the idea they subscribe to the person who gave the idea when in reality all we actually have to do is just listen and like my ideas have been changed as a result of going to university and and having discussions with friends who don't necessarily have the same opinions as me but at least with them like we can all agree that it's not the person it's just the idea. And I have no problem with my friends who have different ideas than me because that's what makes society good and, and great. It's the diversity of ideas and opinions and preferences and facts and all that stuff. Well, not facts, but all that stuff. And, you know, like, we just have to be willing to listen to one another. Mm-hmm. And I think if you look at where North Korea and the U.S. are with, um, with possible meetings between Kim and Trump, it, like... I think we may be getting to the point where instead of just blasting each other on Twitter, they're actually going to start to listen to one another and like, you know, realize that they kind of just blew things out of proportion because they came from someone, someone instead of the idea itself, right? 
Um, yeah, it's the like news has. I would say news has never really been facts. News has always been facts that people want to hear. Mm-hmm. There, I have yet to see. Uh, like you, you'll never ever be able to know the true, unbiased story of what happened. Even though people do their very okay, well, not everybody. Some people do their very best to to reduce bias, but it's not necessarily just what you report. It's also what you don't report, right? And and the fact of the matter is, if you run a news business, you can never report everything, and that's just a fact, right? So. It's it's come to a point now where you, they're they're selling stories. They're not mm-hmm. spreading information. They're selling stories, and they're definitely more well written yeah. than like tabloids and stuff <laughs> like that. But you know, ultimately, people are subscribing to these news sources because this is what they want to hear, mm-hmm. and that's why you get some people who subscribe to the Calgary Sun mm-hmm. and some people who subscribe to BBCs because they serve different purposes and they serve different audiences. And in reality, a news a true news station shouldn't serve a certain market. They should serve society as a whole because the whole purpose of news is to be spreading fact. Mm-hmm. And like, you know, writing styles aside, the facts are facts regardless of who's writing and who's mm-hmm. who's listening to them, right? So yeah. it's still a business. It's still a market. And they realize that. And, you know, like they have to make money. They yeah. have to pay investments and pay off debt and, and all that stuff and they realize that no one's gonna care about your story unless you make it interesting and unfortunately the only way to make things mm-hmm. interesting is through actual like, yeah you know like things people want to yeah. see you yeah. know and people there's a reason that people like the bachelor and there's a reason people like reality tv <laughs> yeah. because it's controversy yeah we eat that stuff up man well, we do unfortunately <laughs> yeah wow we're at a minute 14 almost here. You think you want well, Sounds like we've uh, hit, a, hit a bunch of good topics, and we could probably call it here for a while and continue on at some other point in time, Nick. Be great yeah, to man, it was good. And, yeah. like, you know, I think kind of just coming back to the whole thing, it's good to be able to sit down and have bounce ideas yeah. off people. Yeah. Like, hopefully, uh, yeah. Hopefully yeah. the our viewers also view that. Yes, I'm still going to be going with viewers even though you're only listening to this because I think it's funny right now. Eventually we will have cameras <laughs> and this will be live streamed. Um, well, with a slight delay. I mean, you, you can't... We could go totally live, but I would probably be a problem in that mostly because stuff just goes wrong in me. That doesn't make sense a lot of the time to me or anyone else. <laughs> and also, it's a good way uh, for us to do it this way. Uh, even though there's no dead time right now on this episode, God forbid when we do a, if I did a live stream, of course it would be the episode where there's just everyone freezes up and like, ah, we don't know what to think of, talk about. And it's like, there's this <laughs> 10 minute of nothing, yep. like just people typing on computers. Like what, what, what should we say? <laughs> and it's just trying to make filler talk. Like, so, uh, what did we all get for dinner? It's like, we were all at McDonald's five minutes ago. <laughs> <laughs> no, exactly. And it's yeah. like, just yeah. one more quick thing to add. It's like when you put a camera in front of somebody or you remove that barrier of anonymity, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. It's, yeah but like, People's opinions and the way they express their opinions change really quickly. Oh, yeah. You know, like, if you ever meet these people on Facebook, um, 
Like in real life, I'm I'm guarantee you would have a much different conversation than the one oh, you had over the oh, comment section, right? So for sure, it's very well, interesting. I, the one thing I do like about this is, um, well, not not the anonymity part of it. I I respect that. I do it mostly out of the respect to the guests. Like if. You or any other guest is like, yeah, sure, post my last name, post my face. And, like, I don't care. It's like, all right, we can do that. But I, I do find, uh, like, from what I've researched or read, I don't want to say this is 100% research, but it does seem that just human nature is it's way easier for us to sh shoot flack at somebody who we don't know who they actually are. As soon as you put a face to them. It's like it gets a little harder, but you're still able to do it. As soon as you meet the person, boy, are you freaking humble, and you don't bring that the, your anger up, and they're like, "Oh, it's nice to meet you. Uh, I sort of disagree with you on that opinion. Um, maybe we should hash it out." Versus like you know on the forums page or like on the on the you know 4chan, it's like you are a disgusting human, and you should be hunted down and shot. It's like it's like you put that level of anonymity in people. And boy, do we all of a sudden think we're uh, Captain America. We are all super soldiers. We can fight everybody. It's like, yeah, we're not that. And the one thing I do like about this podcast is we don't come across as like, we have all the answers. I don't have all the answers. Nick doesn't have all the answers. It'd be nice if we did, but boy, would life be boring at that point. Mm -hmm. No, for sure. So, I yeah. mean, and that's kind of life is that there are very few things that are absolute. And, you know, it's just a matter of, finding ways to healthily express opinions so yeah uh well anyways i mean yeah it, it was good yeah um, it was thanks for having me yeah um, for sure yeah no definitely have I'm, to, uh, no i have to have good. you back <laughs> no for sure man whenever you yeah. uh have the even time. even just to, even just to freaking come on over and like throw two mics up and just play video games and laugh about it because Hey, that that gets attention too. I have Thanks, no doubt please. that I have no doubt that the two uh, episodes of just me, Rob, Brent, and Alex playing, uh, well, and with Jeff on the second half, just playing card games upstairs, like that's funny as heck. When I had to listen to those two and a half, well, basically three hours worth of material and edit them and clean them up, it's like I spent a lot of time just going through. Like, no, nah, this is funny. This is this is good enough. Like there may not be well. There is information there. You will learn how to play Flux, and you will learn how to play Shadow Rift. You'll also learn how to lose at Shadow Rift. Exactly. The best part about the Shadow Rift game is that, like, when Rob started reading the rules, it's, here's how you will lose. <laughs> Here, and then it's like, okay, so that's already said. And then he gets finishes all that, and it's like, here's how you might win. <laughs> I love that game just because it's brutal. All right. Well, uh, yeah, we're almost at an hour and 20 minutes here, and that's pretty damn good length uh again thanks for coming on nick no no worries thank you to uh justin for hosting and anyone who uh decided to listen slash view yeah i hope uh you know you don't dox me and yeah yeah don't dox me please yeah we kind of uh you know you you if who knows? Who knows what happens? Like, just just try not to do anything stupid and dox us. Because like, we are actual people. As much as we sound like voices coming through a computer, we are actual people with actual lives. Mm -hmm. And, I mean, we didn't really say anything super controversial here. No, Unfortunately, like, part of society is going in a weird way. But let, let's digress and leave that for another podcast. And Good idea. Let's yeah. quit while we're ahead. Yeah. All right. Nick and Justin signing off for Episode 7.